Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Never before in the history of sports podcasts have two men brought you opinion and analysis like these two. They speak for a city that's desperate for wins and titles, not whining and travesty. You might not agree with what they have to say, but you'll defend their right to say it. Sports fans across the world, from Chicago, Illinois, this is The Mac and Reed Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Mac and Reed Show right here on the Bar Bar Room Network. Excuse me for all this. Just reading my bar stool. Holmes fucked up. <laughs> Follow at Bar Room Network for all the great shows that we have going on here. Uh, we are streaming live on YouTube currently. You can stream the audio-only versions on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your audio and uh, and visual media, of course. Subscribe. Subscribe. Tell a friend or two, like all that good stuff. Uh, I'm on Twitter at the Mac. Ross is at Ross Reed. Good evening, sir. How you doing? Great. How you doing? Be Wednesday. Without, wouldn't be a show without the dogs just barking the dogs, in the background, those baby. Dogs, they're 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 old but feisty until they're the psyched. until the very end. <laughs> they're psyched about the Ngakwe signing. They're like, talk about that. <laughs> What's wrong with Claypool's hamstring? Uh, we have a lot to get to on the show today, talking very Bears-centric uh, type of show in the first half hour and change. Uh, again, Yannick Ngakwe, a bear, very excited as that news broke uh, last week, uh, a little bit after our show, and then we'll dive into Ross's takeaways from Family Fest, some training camp notes from today. Kind of light on NFL training camp headlines. We'll we'll check through those. Uh, the Jets on hard knocks. I just didn't even know. I wasn't aware of hard knocks. Um, but uh, surprises along the way. We'll see. We'll check in on Ross to see if he's seen seen Barbenheimer yet. Uh, Ross, you half of it. <clears throat> half of it. There we go. We'll get to which half later in the show. That's a tease. Um, you lemonade guy, Ross. You like lemonade? Summer. Lemonade. Like the Beyonce album or the drink? The drink. Oh, I am a lemonade guy. Um, Yeah, I got my athletic, uh, non-alcoholic, hazy IPA right here. He said athletic. Oh. Athletic. Great company. Full of protein? (laughs) No, it's just very good. uh, It's it's actually a great uh, post-recovery workout drink, but they make great stuff. If you're ever in for the taste of a beer but don't want the alcohol in it. They're my favorite so a, brand for sure. It's a post it's a post workout drink, but it's a beer. It is. I I won't. I'll spare what? you with all the science of it for now. But actually, beer without the alcohol in it is a great post recovery. It's got enough uh, carbs, you know, the, the right kind of carbs that you need in it for in a post recovery drink. So, Google it. It's out there. Um, it, it actually aids you in your post recovery as long as there's no alcohol in it. Alcohol will oh, uh, sure. That's gonna you know, ruin it. Yes, damage your muscles and things of that nature. But we still it's, love it. We still love it. You just got to do it in moderation, baby. That's, That's so interesting. I did not. I mean, I knew you were the uh, non-alcoholic beer fan. And hopefully we'll get a we'll get a sponsorship soon with that. But uh, but summer's here. I'm drinking that uh, that Overweiss lemonade, the Top Dog lemonade. Very good. Very good. Well, here we are. And a, a week later, we were just talking about it. It's It, it was Edge Rusher Watch 2023. 
And before any other Bears topics that we get to, uh, we got to dive right into it. And I want your reaction to the news. I texted you excitedly last week, Ross, but Yannick Ngakwe, um, 28 years old, uh, edge rusher who's been in the league many seasons now, had a lot of good success with the Jaguars in the last uh, few years. He's bounced around from Baltimore to Indy, um, among other teams, and now a Chicago Bear. And how exciting is that when we had hypothesized that it would something like this would happen, a, a veteran pass rusher would be coming to the Bears, hope, hopefully, uh, during this training camp and, you know, the expectations for him to participate in training camp, it's, you know, it's fine if he does, but uh, the expectation is for him to bring a veteran presence and uh, a pass rush. More importantly, uh, he's, you know, joining a team that had the worst pass rushing production in the league last year. And it, it gets an immediate veteran lift from a guy who averages around 10 sacks a year. He had nine and a half sacks, Last season, um, last two years, very productive, still at 28, very much in his prime, very much in shape, loves his coordinator, loves the that he has this familiarity with the system, uh, and he just thought it was meant to be. He has the bear tattoo on his hand uh, and talked about that, and I'm very excited about it, Ross. What was your reaction? I mean, I don't think – there's an element of surprise too whenever it breaks and you're not totally expecting it but uh yeah your reaction to the signing the money and all that what do you think um certainly was not surprised with the signing i think he was a guy that we mentioned uh for weeks before that he was probably on the bears radar he's the number one pass rusher out on the market the bears have plenty of cap space to sign him it really just came down to his options and what he was comfortable with in my opinion it, to me it came down to uh, he probably was fishing for more than a one-year deal, and he was probably trying to see how much guaranteed money he can get. Um, and the market probably wasn't really coming to him like he wanted. And so eventually he you know, acquiesced and, and signed with the Bears, but he still got good money. Listen, signing a one-year deal but getting $10.5 million out of that, that, that is an impressive – that's still a very good contract for him. You know, this is a guy that – has bounced around the league now. He he has spent for his first four years in Jacksonville. He had a Pro Bowl season his second year in the league, 2017. Uh, but since then, he has been with Minnesota, Baltimore, the Raiders, the Colts, and now the Bears. And, and he's you know still in his 20s. He's still a young guy. That's a lot of teams uh, over the last couple of years. So I think he wanted some stability. I, I've, I've heard some behind-the-scenes stuff about him. That he kind of wears on locker rooms and stuff like that, and, and that could be why um, he's only getting these one-year deals. But I think it's a perfect deal for the Bears because um, you're not married to him long-term. If you forecast going into next year, 2024, free agency uh, class for defensive linemen, awesome. Bears are going to have two first-round picks. I can promise you, like, this, you know, sun rises in the east and sets in the west – one of those are, are going to be on a defensive lineman. They're probably going to go edge or find a true three-technique uh, pass rusher. So they've got time to fill in their long-term options at that position, but they needed the guy now. They needed the specialist now, and that's what exactly Yannick Ngakwe brings to the table. And who knows? Let's say he does have a good season with the Bears, and, and they feel comfortable with him, and he feels comfortable with them. They could work out a long-term extension. You know, this is a guy who – who I mean, all he does is get after the quarterback. He's got 65 career sacks 
uh, in his, it, it, you know, it, you know, so far he's got 135 hits of the quarterback. So even though when he doesn't sack the quarterback, he's at least uh, hitting the quarterback. He does struggle in against the run. I know Matt Everflus talked about that last week and said they're still going to put him out there against the run. But they got a professional pass rusher out there. They got him uh, out of one year deal. You know, at a price that is comfortable for him. Um, so I like the move. It, it, it brings a nice veteran, veteran presence. It allows guys like Dominique Robinson to, to, to kind of bounce down a little bit. You saw the depth chart that came out uh, yesterday. Travis Gibson, who was like basically their like one of their starters at the end of the year, is now buried on that fifth yeah. you know, as the fifth guy on the unofficial depth chart. You know that's so. What happens when you bring in depth and, and you bring Absolutely. in guys? You know it, that's just a part of you building a good football team. So I, I, I like the move. Um, he's a veteran. I don't need to see him at all during preseason. I just need him to see him no. show up week one and uh, start hitting Jordan Love. So I, I love it. Can't can't wait to see that kind of effect that you were looking forward to. You know, remember when we were just so excited to see Green Bay week one when Khalil Mack was a bear too and just uh, just brought it. So you hope that uh, Ngakwe uh, can get after Jordan Love especially too. But just looking at how he fits in, he's, uh, again, like Ross mentioned, he's uh, a, a very athletic edge rusher, which is great. He's 6'2", 246 pounds about, mm-hmm. give or take, had at least eight sacks in each of his last seven seasons, which is very productive, no dips, which that's great. He had a little, little bit of an injury with uh, Minnesota, I want to say, but still was able to lead the team in sacks, which mm-hmm. is tremendous, even playing, you know, half his – less than half a season, something like that. Uh, really good. Ryan Poles said, quote, Yannick's going to bring leadership, energy, and his pass rush here, which is going to help our defense and help our team get better. Also, the ability to help our young guys learn that craft and the skill set, be able to get home and be consistent and dependable like he's been throughout his career, end quote. Mm-hmm. And with the – obviously, before this, we were looking at DeMarcus Walker to bring sort of a veteran presence too and, and help – uh, again, you're talking about the depth chart and Travis Gibson and Dominique Robinson and where they fit in. Uh, you create that competition, and this should light a fire under Travis Gibson. And and if it also takes attention away from him and he's a little more productive, then that's the, the dream scenario, right, where uh, you can see some good con- competition along this line. And when, you know, kind of uh, dominating the training camp headlines of the last week has been Gervon Dexter talking about how he wants to, you know, his, wants his jersey retired in the rafters as a Chicago Bear soon in this very young defense that is very much rebuilding, but uh, in, in certain aspects and certain positions of the defense, but has the vets to match it, right? So it's, uh, it's very positive. And, uh, you know, speaking again to how dismal this pass rush was last season, I mean, I, they should certainly – you would think double production. I think they had 20 sacks last year, like easily do something like 40 or more. It's a, it's a great signing. And like you said, Ross, which is very important is you're not tied into him long-term necessarily. It's uh try it out for a year, 10 and a half million. When you already had a bunch of cap space, if you're the bears, it's a win-win for, for them in Ngakwe for sure. It is, and it helps elevate all the young players around that defense is, is what you need right now because when you invest in a guy like a veteran like Ngakwe, you're investing in you know somebody like Jaquan Brisker who 
did lead the Bears in sacks last year. Your rookie safety led your team in sacks last year, right? And so and then you start investing in a guy like Kyler Gordon and so on and so forth. And Jalen Johnson is able to do his job now. Eddie Jackson is, is in a better position. You put spent a lot of money on Tremaine Edmonds. Now you put him in a better position as well. Um, you hit it on the head, you know, Ngakwe is going to be the pass rusher, right? But, you know, they did go out there. They signed Demarcus Walker from the Titans. He's your run stopper on the edge. That guy is very good at stopping the run on the edge. And then the Bears really like their, that young rotation of Dominique Robinson, Rasheem Green, uh, and Terrell Lewis. They like all three of those guys, and they're going to rotate those guys in, and they're going to kind of roll with the hot hand a little bit. And that, like you said, that right now, Travis Gibson to me is the guy on the outside looking in. Remember, this is a Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace pick. Um, so Everflus and Poles are not married to him by by any account. Um, he struggled last year, you know, in a lot of snaps. He had a, a full dress rehearsal last year, a big opportunity to show that he can be a guy that can get a lot of snaps in the league. He just didn't quite get there last season. I think the Bears really wanted to upgrade that spot not only this year, but they're also they're looking long term. I think I think he's really on the bubble right now, and it's going to be interesting to see how many snaps he gets this Saturday against the Titans. Um, it can, you know, talking with Greg Gabriel yesterday on the show, he did an awesome job. You know, this can go one or two ways. Either he can get a lot of snaps out there, and they're going to give him every opportunity to show, you know, one last you know opportunity. Like, yes, you can make this team, or like Greg was saying yesterday, if he gets little to no snaps on Saturday, writing's on the wall. He he might be cut next week. And, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. But the fact that he's buried on that depth chart right now, that's not a good sign for him because they're going to want to get these young guys out there and play uh, a lot, you know, a lot of snaps in the preseason, get them, uh, get that rotation up to speed. So it's going to be really very interesting to keep an eye on that. I think I, I think right yeah. now you'll probably see like a guy like Terrell Lewis probably play half of football on, on Sunday, the whole second half. No kidding. Yeah, you, you'd figure in this uh, looking ahead to the Titans game this weekend, we'd get a, a heavy dose of, of the rookies and Pickens and Dexter and uh, guys that you mentioned, Ross. But uh, the bubble guys, it's it's curious to see how they fit into the 53-man roster when we start to to make cuts here, um, you know, and not to to be outdone the offense. Look at them getting Mercedes Lewis as if there aren't enough tight ends on the Bears. Uh, what does he provide, Ross? Uh, he provides a, uh, a, a a nice old man stability. He's thirty eight years old. Um, yes, like Mercedes, they 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 do last forever. Um, in all seriousness. He is an outstanding blocking tight end, which is what they want to do, especially from their third tight end position. He is very comfortable with that offense, um, obviously running that Green Bay offense where Luke Getze comes in. So he's able to step in right away, and um, he, he's going to be able to pick up the playbook and terminology very, very quickly. He provides a a, a veteran leadership and nastiness to I, to that offense, I think, which is very uh, – It's I think it was lacking. Um you know, you, you get a little bit of that from Tevin Jenkins and maybe like Cody Whitehair up front. But, you know, the skill guys don't really do that. You know, Justin is awesome. But Justin really is kind of more of a, a quiet leader out in the football field. Mercedes is a lot more vocal. Um, from an X's and O's standpoint, you know, I was at Family Fest on Sunday and I was watching their, their red line stuff and their goal line stuff. And, and I think, you know, still going into 
this season, the Bears are going to want to do a lot of read option stuff. When they get near the goal line, they're going to want to really pound that football in with a, with a clear Herbert or Deontay Foreman or Rashawn Johnson or have Justin Fields keep the ball. And that's where you really want Mercedes, uh, you know, Lewis out in the football field because he is an outstanding blocker, but also they can do a little chicanery and he can slip out and he can catch the ball for a touchdown. I, I made a joke to somebody. I'm going to be betting the, the Mercedes Lewis uh, anytime TD bet every single game this year at like plus 800. Cause this is like, why not? Um, but I think it really helps a guy like Cole Komet. I don't know if everybody's been paying attention to Cole Komet. Obviously, my, with my my training background, I always pay, to pay attention to guys' physiques and stuff like that. And Cole Komet looks considerably slimmer this year and a lot leaner. And what that tells me is um, they want, you know, they're, they're paying him a lot of money. They, they signed him to a long-term deal. They want to keep him fresh and they want to be able to move him around kind of off the line of scrimmage put him more in the slot, allow him to kind of get some matchups where he can get um, even some some defensive backs on him and stuff like that, and he can kind of use his size to, to over the, overtake them. Uh, if you want to do that, you need a guy like Mercedes on, uh, Lewis on the field that can play more in line. So expect for Cole Komet to be more off the uh, off the line of scrimmage this year, in my opinion. He just looks like he has more of that, that leaner physique. That they don't want him bashing you know, on the line of scrimmage too much. I think that's also why you bring in a guy like Robert Tunyon. Robert Tunyon is a little bit more physical uh, than Cole Komet. And so you know, it, it helps the entire offense, stability, leadership, depth, he can still catch the football. He's an outstanding blocker. We know the Bears are going to want to run the football a lot this year. And, uh, you know, especially around the goal line, he's really going to be an asset for them. A tight end for every need in your offense, for sure, as with the signing of Mercedes Lewis. Uh, Mack and Reed, and feel free if you're watching on YouTube, on the Barroom Network here, to chime in in the comments as well. Ross, you mentioned you did a – Show with Greg Gabriel as well, uh, which is on YouTube and on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. And uh, did you go to training camp in addition to Family Fest? I did not. I had tickets for training camp yesterday, but I, I skipped it to do the show with Greg, which was awesome. I did go to check uh, it out. Yeah, did go to Family Fest uh, on Sunday. It was great to see uh, some 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 fans and some people out in the stadium. It was a little misty that day, but it was bare weather, as we would call it. Uh, unseasonably whatever cool, that means right unseasonably <laughs> cool day in chicago and, and rainy stuff like that but you know it was fun it was good to see them out there it was good to see um dj Moore up close and personal he is everything as Ooh. advertised as as we've been seeing everybody say it through training camp just very fluid very impressive out on that football field he's got a great connection so far um with with, with justin fields obviously and, um, you know, I know we're going to talk about um, Chase Claypool in, in a second here, but he was another guy that just impressed me as, as well. So you hope that hamstring injury is not, you know, too serious because um, he was very physical out there on Sunday and he is a very, very big wide receiver. I, I think people, you know, uh, understand, they, they don't really realize how big a wide receiver he is. He was catching everything inside. He was actually awesome out there. He's a big target, uh, certainly at FanFest, just based on the clips I saw from social media and, and all the hype. Uh, the offense delivered, right? You get to see a couple touchdowns from Justin Fields to DJ Moore, of course, his new best friend, and, and Claypool, like you mentioned, just mm -hmm. what a big target he is. And 
get to see the the new additions as well and see uh, offensive line and and how they look against the you know the first team defense more or less. Did you have any notes on the line and how they were looking playing against D line as well? Yeah, my 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 biggest note on the offensive line is I'm slightly concerned with how these injuries are stacking up right now. Um, you know, a couple of injuries we've had so far. Nate Davis has yet to practice in pads. Um, you know, which is, which is a little bit of a concern. I know he was out there yesterday in shells, but they went back to pads today. He wasn't practicing out there today. Um, you know, we, Tevin Jenkins has been in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, we, we, I heard that, um, even, even Leatherwood left practice today, uh, with a little bit of an injury, a little bit, I get concerned about those guys. I, I'm, I, I'm, I feel good about the young guys. I think Braxton Jones and, and Darnell Wright on the outside, are going to be fine. I, I if not only think, do I think they're going to be fine, I think we're going to get extended look at them on Saturday because they are young guys, especially Darnell Wright. He should be playing close to a half of football. Uh, this the set. I keep saying something. It's Saturday. Saturday is the noon game against the Tennessee Titans. Um, but the interior line starts to concern me a little bit. Nate Davis has not gotten out there in practice in pads yet. That's concerning. Cody Whitehair, your center, is a veteran. He's been banged up in the past. We already know about Tevin Jenkins' injury history. Um, so it would be curious to see how the Bears come out of this first preseason game Saturday. And um, I, they might have to hit the waiver wires and bring in another veteran uh, just to kind of you know, bring in some kind of stability here if, if some of these guys can't practice. The Nate Davis one is the most concerning to me. Jatir Carter has been taking a lot of the first-team reps right now in his absence. I expect him to get a long look this Saturday as well. It's a big part of that offensive line is is building that chemistry and and communicating on your blocking assignments and and play changes and all that. And if Nate Davis is missing out on all that this early on, um, just to even not being at practice is surprising. But to that end, you were talking about uh, Chase Claypool, who, who pulled a hammy today, came up against uh, Jalen Johnson, I believe, on on a pass play and came up lame and. It's three preseason games. You know, he's been at it before. You certainly don't want him to play a shortened season or or aggravate that hamstring injury to make make it even harder to come back and miss the early part of the season. Uh, you you want to set a tone early as much as it's not about how you start. It's about how you finish. But all that aside, you know, Ross, do you think that Claypool should suit up for any, you know, preseason games at this point or just sit him completely since he's sort of a vet wide receiver at this point? No, I, I would sit him. I, I would sit him at this point through the rest of, uh, you know, training camp will be over basically this week. They've got uh, some joint practices with the Colts coming up, and then they got a preseason game with the Colts. I would just basically sit him until you start uh, installing your game plan for, for, Green, Bay, for Green Bay game uh, week one. There's no reason to have him out there. Hamstrings are notoriously a very tricky in- injury. It's a, it's got a high risk for you to to re uh, to re injure it. Um, it sounded like it was mild today, which is good. It sounds like it's not a, a, a huge issue, so let's keep it that way, right? Let's get him some rest. Let's allow him to kind of do some work on the side, get him some treatment. He's got to get ready to go week one. He's going to be a vital part of this offense. You're going to need all three of those wide receivers out in the field and healthy, because your alternative starts to turn into Equinemius St. Brown. And starts to turn into um, um, Dante Pettis. And, and we don't need those guys out there with Justin Fields, right? Even the rookie Tyler Scott, for as much as he's shown off his speed in training cap, 
He's had a, he's had some drops. He's in training camp. Same thing with uh with Velus Jones, right? So you want your top three guys out there healthy week one. If that means sitting Chase Claypool for the, the next couple of weeks and getting him healthy, then so be it. That's all it's all about. You know, training camp at this point, especially for these veterans, these guys will need to go through this stuff every day in practice. They know how it is. He knows the playbook already. Get him healthy for week one. It's going to be paramount. Yeah, I definitely agree, especially if it's uh, – I think everybody's in agreement there just with the general health of the wide receiver core. You knew how bad it looked last year for Justin Fields where he was forced into running situations left and right, and now – that trio will be very key to, to, to see how Justin Fields is able to pre- progress in this year and live up to the expectations that uh, a lot of folks have for him between uh, Darnell Mooney and DJ Moore and, and Claypool out there, who is questionable as of now. Uh, and Cole Komet, lean and mean, look at that. And and now it's just, it's also, you know, we got to touch on Justin Fields, QB1, who looked good in, in FanFest and made some quality throws. Got to stop with this narrative the people that still lean on this, it's unbelievable that he, you know, is just a runner and not, he's like fucking Lamar Jackson or something out here who proved that he could throw the football as well. Justin Fields has accuracy. He has the power behind him. He's played quarterback at a high level for a long time. Stop it. And he is going to be utilizing both the arm and his legs this coming year. Um, you know, the, the expectation, the, the dream is to go a la Patrick Mahomes and make some uh, throw from the spine, Ross, and make some ridiculous throws and sidearms and all that. You don't even need to make that. You give him a clean pocket, he's going to make plays. And even if not, some rollouts just with the, I think in, in the second year with Eberflus and second year with Luke Getze is going to really do wonders for him. Uh, so I'm excited to see that. And, uh, you know, Cliff also noticed or noted that Roshan, Johnson, who's a new addition from Texas, the running back, played a little quarterback in the past. I'd like to see a little trickery and, and some more, you know, in the red zone coming up, uh, you know, a la the Kansas City Chiefs, who are just basically, you know, the uh, the gold standard for, for offensive play in the league. I feel like you could put the Bengals up there, other teams like that. But uh, I'm excited to see, you know, with all that said, the Titans are, are the first preseason game coming up this Saturday. And you're not going to see. You might see a quarter with with three season port, um, three preseason games now it's shortened uh, in the preseason, but of starters you see maybe a quarter of them. But I'm not even sure you see that. You know, if it's a series at this point, I'm not. I, I'm not entirely sure. But it's it's paramount that you get out of this preseason healthy, right? Um, but you also want to see what you have in your depth, especially with the Claypool injury. What we mentioned with through the offensive line, the defensive line, those young guys have to adjust to the NFL speed. Uh, what are some other things you're looking forward to out of uh, that Titans game come Saturday, Ross? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think you're, for your starters, I think your skilled guys probably play one series, maybe two, depending on how that first series goes. If that first series is successful and it ends in a touchdown, boom, they're oh. gone. <laughs> they're out. They're done. Right? If it goes three and out, they might get a second series uh, after that. I think the interior guy is going to play a little bit longer. Um not the veterans, though. I, like a guy like Cody Whitehair, he doesn't need more than one series out there. That guy has been playing football for a long time. But like I said, the two rookies on the outside will probably get a little bit longer, maybe an extended look, a quarter into the second quarter, stuff like that. Um, same thing on the defensive side. Some of the younger guys on the defensive line, they're going to play a little bit longer. Your guys on the outside, I don't even think Eddie Jackson, Joel Carl Brisker, those guys have been banged up a little bit. Those guys probably even going to suit up on, on Saturday. Uh, same thing with some of the corners and stuff like that, even though I know Cal Gordon – made it back to practice today 
what I'm watching is we want to see some of the the explosive young guys that they drafted, right? Let's see these guys on the football field and see what they can do. What's Roshan Johnson going to do, right, with the ball in his hands? He should get anywhere between uh, 10 to 15 touches on Saturday, right? What's he going to be able to do? Can Tyler Scott show that breakaway speed on Soldier Field turf uh, against the Titans and maybe bust one and, and get down the field? I'm really watching uh, Velus Jones Jr. and what he does in special teams because I think that's his only path at this point to making this football team. I think he's about wide receiver six right now. That doesn't bode well for him. But if he could be shorthanded as a punt returner and as a kick returner and make smart decisions and cut up the field and show that speed, then that's where he's going to be able to to make his bones in the NFL uh, until he's able to get on the field for a couple jet sweeps and stuff like that a game. On the, def- on the defensive side of the ball, we want to see the big boys that they drafted, right? Zach Pickens, Gervon Dexter. We want to see those guys and, and, and see how they play. My number one guy to watch this entire Saturday is hands down Noah Sisiwu. Yeah, I, I knew it. Absolutely. You know, the linebacker right now, he's going to be backing up uh, Tremaine Edmonds, but he's gotten a lot of looks in camp with the ones because Edmonds is banged up. Um, I think this guy can be a very, very solid football player, um, especially attacking the line of scrimmage and uh, pass rushing from that middle linebacker position. I think the Bears really got them a dynamic athlete at that position. We already know his, his brother is a, is, a, is a rock solid NFL player and offensive lineman. The pedigree is there. I think they really got him a good football player. So much so, I don't think a lot of people caught this today. Um, Jack Sanborn was running with the twos today predominantly. There's a possibility that that Sewell might be jumping uh, Sanborn, uh, Sanborn right now just because he's got uh-huh. more athleticism and brings a lot more to the table. That's huge. Uh, you know, when you have TJ Edwards in there, who's one of the free agent additions, and for Sanborn, who was, you know, a great story in a, in a shit year last year of being the local guy, uh, to take that strong side linebacker position taken by Noah Sewell, the rookie, would be pretty crazy. But we've heard nothing but positive things out of Noah Sewell, so I, I agree with that completely. Um, to, to that end, you know, playing against the, the Titans, it'll mostly be second string and third string. You're looking at the rookies for me in the secondary, too. Um, the young guys like Tyreek Stevenson out there. Um, and then you would likely get, you know, a big dosage of Elijah Hicks because we know that nickel position is – is not guaranteed to any of these these guys out there, and and even starting corner when you again you, you talked about the depth chart and Stevenson where he fits in across from Jalen Johnson, um, you know Brisker and and Ed Jackson. You know what you're getting from them. You just want them healthy going into that week one against Green Bay and and their uh, wide receivers for sure. So it to me it's more about that defense obviously than the offense because we know what we're getting week one with Justin Fields and company and just keeping that intact. Um, getting the offensive line healthy and getting uh, Claypool healthy in time, wide receiving core. Running backs are looking good right now. That that rotation uh, of Dante Foreman and Khalil Herbert will be something else with Sprinkling and Roshan Johnson. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what they do to the Green Bay defense week one. But Titans uh, game Saturday at noon uh, at Soldier Field. It'll be bare weather, 85 degrees and sunny. <laughs> will be. It'll be and- summer. I'm in Chicago. Those are some of the best games, too. I wish the, the NFL season started in, in August more so because you get these these nice games at the lakefront. I know, I know. And I was going to say, too, you know, we haven't really talked much about the opponents, but 
you're getting a Tennessee Titans team that's kind of on the way down right now. And you're, you're getting uh, in there. Isn't this a Will uh, Levis team and also a Malik, a Malik Willis team, right? Um, right? You know, that's an opportunity. Those are two young quarterbacks. They, they tend to get rattled a little bit. Malik Willis had an awful rookie campaign last year. This is an opportunity, especially on the defensive side, for you to kind of stack some plays together and kind of get some confidence and some momentum going. And I, I kind of, even though you're going to get a lot of twos and threes out there on the defensive side of football, fuck it. Like, pin your ears back and go after these guys and make them force, you know, force them to throw the football and beat you. They're not going to have DeAndre Hopkins out there on Saturday and stuff like that, right? So let's see what that defense can do and kind of get some excitement brewing and some momentum because everything has been about Justin Fields and Claypool and DJ Moore. But the guys on defense get paid too. And those guys are very passionate about what they do. Matt Everflus is a defensive coach for a defensive background. So, you know, let's let's kind of see what they can do against some quarterbacks. I think you can really rattle them in Soldier Field. It's kind of a weird, it's a Saturday game. It's midday. It's hot outside, stuff like that. Just just go after those guys. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I'd like to see what Allen Williams and, and Everflus can come up with for the defensive side of the ball. And set that tone we know uh historically when the defense is clicking it it uh, does it pays off in dividends for the entire bears team cover the bears at length let's jump to nfl headlines and not too many as i alluded to uh, you know right now it's just more uh, you know fighting amongst the depth chart like looking at the you know tampa bay buccaneers we're seeing if, if it's uh, you know, Baker Mayfield uh, getting the starting position. And then there's unfortunately er- injuries early on, like Marlon Mack for the Cardinals, who just had his burst Achilles already, Achilles, which is just terrible. Uh, Cream Hunt, no deal out there. Running back still just getting no love, as we've talked about on uh, previous shows here. I did mention Hard Knocks. Are you into it, Ross? I am into, you know... I yeah, used hard to, knocks fatigue. There's I, I a do. lot of foot. There's just, you know, between hard knocks and quarterback that just, you know, premiered this past right. month. Now there's the Johnny football documentary that we'll get into, but right. you know, it always just, it came very last minute that it's the jets. I'm very happy. The bears aren't on it. I, yep. it's just, I don't know. It's just played out for me. And my problem with these, all with all these shows now, even quarterbacks, <laughs> even the Johnny Manziel stuff is, Everything is so in in the social media era. Everything is so calculated and so carefully choreographed with the subjects at hand that you're not really getting the true candid uh, information anymore. So at the beginning, when Hard Knocks was awesome because you were getting stuff on the fly, stuff you weren't really supposed to be seeing. I can remember the Hugh Jackson stuff when they covered the Browns during that 0-16 season. He was playing, saying some outlandish stuff on TV in the locker room. We're like, oh, these guys stink. And, and so on and so forth. And now it feels like hard knocks. I'll, I'll watch it. I haven't even watched first episode yet. I'll watch it when we're done here. Um, it feels like it's turning into the the Aaron Rodgers, you know, PR tour. And I, I spare me with that bullshit. You know, I, that's something that I really don't want to quite see, to be honest with you. And that's kind of how, you know, I, quarterbacks was fun, but that's kind of how that was a little bit. It really turned at the end into the Pat Mahomes show slash the, you know, Kirk Cousins is not that bad of a guy kind of show thing. Um, you know, the Johnny Manziel stuff. I, I love how they just conveniently forget that that team had five first round picks on their roster. Like they, they were just a stacked football team. 
And it, it, he had like he was just throwing it to the football to awesome guys, Mike Evans. We already know who's on who's been on that football team. So these things are so carefully choreographed now. They they they're they're documentaries, but they're not really giving you the truth anymore because these guys don't want to give you the truth. They're going to give you kind of what they what they what you what they want you to see. Sure. And I'm not really interested in that. That gets a little bit boring and mundane to me. What an uncut man! Come on. You- just editing out some of the best stuff there. And it wouldn't be a a training camp without hearing Aaron Rodgers is frustrated or blah, 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 this whole narrative again. And it's going to be very Rodgers-centric and, and focusing on his his new joint-smoking handshake and shit like that. And it's just, uh, you know, miss me with anything about Rodgers at this point. Just let's see him play in a Jets uniform, uh, you know, during this season football are you uh are you all in on the johnny football documentary the man this this is it's been a while since we i feel like what preceded this was him opening up some bar by AM's campus and now you know he's he's in this uh what i forget the name of it right now i don't have it in front of me but this documentary just talking about how he is who was just this party boy as we knew he had troubles with the browns when he watched zero film on the team ipad um, Mike Evans is out here saying he was, he was noble in detailing his struggles. Uh, you know, Johnny football, one of the best college football players we ever saw. And it was, it was not too long ago. We thought, you know, maybe there's potential for him to make that leap into the NFL, but that blew up in the Browns and, and the NFL's face. That's for damn sure. And listen, a lot of teams, you know, I never forget uh, Jerry Jones wanted to draft him. He was going to be a cowboy and they were going to bring in a lot of teams, dodged the bullet because a lot of people fell in love, you know, with that situation. And, you know, kind of like I said, he was a product of a, listen, Cliff Kingsbury was an outstanding, uh, I mean, they uh, they had an outstanding uh, play caller at the time, right? So they were putting points on the board. Like I said, they put five first round picks uh, in the NFL and he was a product of, you know, kind of an air raid system with elite talent around him. He was able to just kind of get the football there and stuff like that. And weren't really playing defense back then, things of that nature. You know, it's very different from, let's say, like a guy like Pat Mahomes, who uh, wasn't as highly touted coming out because he knew that he had to take more risks because his defense sucked. And he it was a little bit different. He didn't have the quite the skilled players around him. He had to do things a little bit differently compared to what he does in the NFL. You know, my hot take is not everybody needs a documentary. And, and you know, Johnny Manziel was... But everybody's going to get one. <laughs> right. Johnny Manziel was an interesting story at the time, at the moment. But, I you know, and I, I don't really need to see his whole life story, just like the Manti Tail situation that we had a couple of years ago and stuff like that. It's, I you know, Netflix will, will do this to us where they'll give like these these... 15 minute of fame guys a, a whole series documentary it's like if you're gonna do that give me somebody for like an elite football player right like like can we call barry sanders and can we say hey barry can we can can we chat with you can we you know can we talk to some of these more elite guys that we've seen uh over, over the course of our lives and, and i would get i would like to get a better peek into that Where's Randall Cunningham's documentary? Like, like, like guys like that. That's, you know, Warren Moon is one of the best NFL players of all time in, and also AFL. I want to see those guys get a documentary. Even a guy like Steve McNair, who, you know, we lost him tragically, uh, you know, something like that. Johnny Manziel, I, I don't want to see that. Yeah. The, between him, Manti Teo, it's just the, 
the odd stories that are more headlines for not the the plays they made on the field, which is just so surprising. There's better storylines out there. There's a million different better storylines out there. It's very uh very surprising. Not surprising is you know uh, again Manziel not watching film and all of the the pot the, the pitfalls that he had uh, during his very brief NFL career, and uh, he just stayed Johnny Football, and that's. How it is just out like a candle in the wind there. Yep. You looking at any other NFL storylines along training camp right now in the NFC North or beyond? I mean, I think we're all looking forward to, you know, as we start getting games, we get games uh, tomorrow night. We got Houston uh, sure. at New England and Minnesota at Seattle. Then we get some uh, games on Friday, games on Saturday, games on Sunday as well. To me, I just I, I always want to see the quarterbacks. I want to see the young quarterbacks, how they fare to start their their this is their first snaps as a as an NFL quarterback in a game. It's not a real regular season game, but it's still it's still a game. The, the speed's gonna be there, it's gonna be faster. So you got you know CJ Stroud going to New England uh tomorrow night. I want to check that out. He's that's a that's on the road, that's you know, in Foxborough, hostile environment against the Bill Belichick team. That's also D'Amico Ryan's his first time as a head coach. I want to yeah. see how he does, right? We want to see how Bryce Young does. We're going to be watching Bryce Young as Bears fans all season long because that first-round pick is going to be tied to uh, how he does in, in, in his his performance in preseason and regular season as well. So those are the kind of things I always like to see. Anthony Richardson is going to be in, in Buffalo on Saturday. That's going to be on the same time as the Bears game. Those are the things I always want to see. Some other things, um, the San Francisco QB situation is super, super interesting to me because right now it's Brock Purdy as the starter, but he still has, was working through that injury on the, on the elbow. They still have Trey Lance, but they kind of buried him on the depth chart. And then they also, they have Sam Darnold and, you know, starting this Sunday is against the, uh, in Las Vegas is where you start to see the Sam Darnold versus Trey Lance situation. I don't think Trey Lance is getting a fair shake in San Francisco, so I hope he goes out there on Sunday and absolutely lights it up, really forces Kyle Shanahan's hand to give him some more opportunities. I still think Brock, uh, uh, Brock Purdy will be the number one guy week one. But, man, Trey, Trey Lance deserves an opportunity in this preseason to show that he can still uh, be a decent quarterback. He's still a young kid, and he essentially lost his starting job last year due to a catastrophic injury. And, and I don't think he should be buried on a depth chart behind no damn Sam Darnold, you, you know what I'm saying? Like he should still, he should be the number two. So I hope he goes out there and beats the, and beats Sam Darnold's ass uh, in a head to head matchup. Cliff's asking about Joe Burrow injury update. Anticipate Joe Burrow to be out until week one at the earliest. I know yeah. it, it could last a little bit longer. It really depends on how aggressive they want to get with it. But Joe Burrow is going to be out for a little while. I expect them to reevaluate Joe Burrow in, in two weeks and um and, and see where he's at but it's going to be really close if he wants to if he's going to play week one zach taylor saying several weeks from when i said several weeks which was, which was perfect perfect yep. Zach yep. Taylor. uh and I, I i like where you're at with the 49ers i don't like that everybody was shitting on trey lance when again he just had uh a, a shortened season very shortened season last season with the injury just let him go play football and try to uh, try to you know climb that depth chart if you can. There's so much talent on that San Francisco 49ers uh, offense too for a quarterback to thrive there. Just look at what Brock Purdy was able to do um, as Mr. Relevant. So that's it, yeah. And if, 
if you're a team like Atlanta or Tampa Bay and you tell me you want to trot Baker Mayfield out there or, or, or Spencer Ritter out there, how can you not be paying attention to this Trey Lance thing? I would I would swing if I'm Tampa Bay and I can maybe get Trey Lance for like a I don't know third you know round pick or something like that. Why not? Like I, I would put him out there to me over Baker Mayfield. You're probably going to stink anyway this year. Why, why not see what you might have in him? And uh, if he stinks, it puts you in the pole position for the Caleb Williams uh, sweepstakes. You know, which I think right now the Arizona Cardinals they're putrid. They are absolute. T- they they might be the worst team in football. Just, just keep looking worse too. <laughs> they're they're going to be they're going to be the leaders. They they might go three and thirteen this year if they're lucky. Um, and so right now they're probably the favorites to get Caleb Williams. But if you're a Tampa Bay and you tell me you think you've got a chance with Baker Mayfield, I'm here to tell you no. <laughs> I'm here to tell you don't 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 hit your wagon to that. Or even if you're Atlanta and you see a guy like Cal Pitts constantly trying to in training camp go over on his back shoulder to catch a pass from Ritter, I'd be paying attention to that Trey Lance situation to see if you could pry him out of there. Interesting. Interesting. Cardinals, what a what a fall from grace when you thought about Kyler Murray and just how this offense and the D hop connection. And now it's just not looking like the the team that it's panned out to be. And and again, going back to Cliff Kingsbury and and the way that this team was set up to you know, really compete in the uh, NFC West and it's just falling flat on its face. It'll be right there with the, you would think the Texans for the number one pick, like you said, Caleb Williams lottery this next year. So, yeah. And, you know, we're, we're fast forwarding obviously a lot, but they still have Kyler Murray. He has a massive contract and he's coming off of a big injury. Um, It'll be interesting with to see what they do with him, not only as the season progresses and he might be potentially ready to go, and also in the offseason, if they do get that number one pick, I you know I don't know who would even want to take Kyler Murray off their hands. But obviously, we we have a long way to go for that. But it's good to have uh, meaningful games back. Um, I know everybody loves training camp, but I'm actually excited for the Bears to get out of training camp. Um, I think we get a lot of um, miscommunication and nonsense on Twitter and and people judging every single play and every single snap from training camp. I kind of want our our favorite football team to go into their bunker right now and kind of go dark for a little bit and and pop back up week one, hopefully healthy and ready and prepared to take on the Packers. Training camp's just a necessary evil, right? We do this every season. We have now the shortened preseason. Uh, I just, yeah, just fast forward for me to week one versus the Packers. And Mm -hmm. there's so much love for Jordan Love out there. And uh, I'd like to see a competent Bears defense just just take it to him in week one. Uh, Again, we're a few weeks away from that for sure. Uh, You know, we didn't really talk about just the just – dumbfounding situation with Northwestern and the scandal and, and the hazing and everything that's happened with Pat Fitzgerald's dismissal kind of being the fall guy and then just the shock throughout college football as a result of that. Now you're, you know, you're seeing the AD who's also a jackass just talking about how these were tone deaf t-shirts worn by the staff sort of in solidarity of Pat Fitzgerald. 
I, you know, I, it's I, I really feel for Pat Fitzgerald amongst all this, and and it's gross when you're you're the like Ivy League of the Midwest. Like, what the fuck are you guys doing? I know your kids, but this is just just a, an absurd storyline to come out of such a, such a prestigious school, and uh, just to have it, you know, again all pinned on Pat Fitz, Fitzgerald, who years ago we were talking about him leaving for Texas or a really. Uh, you know, savvy, like great SEC program, football program, something like that. And now for him to get this huge blemish on his career, it doesn't really seem fair. And that's what I took away from it. And now there's going to be fallout from it, obviously. And, and what you're hearing from cheerleaders and, and from the, you know, the black players on the team and just that, um, you know, the Hispanic players, it's, it's just a, a real bad look. And it's just a shame from, for this school that uh, again, is you know, prides himself on academia and just, you know, just having just better thought process, you know, just better forethought about this. It just, it, you know, it was bad look, right? Yeah. I mean, you know what, there's, there's a difference between, you know, making a freshman, you know, carry uh, pads or, 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 or making him clean jock straps after practice or something silly and, and relatively harmless. And then there's the accusations that were against uh, Northwestern and the football team and stuff like that. And, and those to me are a little bit more serious and those need to be taken more into account. And, you know, my thoughts on Pat Fitzgerald along with the head coach uh, of the baseball team there and the athletic director is you guys are CEOs of an operation. You, you run that entire operation. And, and with that, that's great power becomes, you know, comes great responsibility if this happens underneath your watch, whether you know it or not, or whether you say you know it or not, it still happened underneath your watch. As much as it is, is your job as Pat Fitzgerald to install a game plan week after week and get that football team ready. It's also your job to kind of keep an ear and eye out and, and know what's going on underneath your nose. And I find it very hard to believe that he didn't know a lot of this stuff was going on as the head coach of his football team. And, and, and so even if he knew a little bit about it, it, that was his job to shut it down immediately and he didn't get there and so i do have a problem with that there are consequences with that we have as a society you know as as time passed um you know gotten wiser and more hip to these things we realized that you know you don't make uh smart athletes and, and smart people on and off the football field and better athletes and stuff like that by doing some of the accusations that have been addressed here so i i do applaud those young individuals for coming out and speaking up Definitely. And, um, and, you know, we'll see where it goes from there. I, I feel for the kids of Northwestern that are still in that program because they have to prep for a football season now and, and, and they have to go through all that stuff. They got a brand new coach. I mean, they're in a very competitive conference and let's be honest, Northwestern who was already behind the eight ball in terms of recruiting with, uh, they're basically the Ivy league of the Midwest stuff like that. Now they're even further behind in a conference like the Big Ten um, with this whole thing. And now we're hearing rumors out in Evanston that now the city does not want to do that um, renovation for their football field, uh, for Ryan Field. And so now they're losing on the business end. This is going to set Northwestern football back probably 10, 15 years at, at least. Um, and that's very troubling. So I, I, I do hope that for the sake of the kids there now and uh, the school going forward, that they can kind of resurrect from this, right? It, it's it's not the same thing as the Blackhawks situation, um, but it's a little similar where I, I, I don't want you to have to be punished for this forever. 
Um, you know, the Blackhawks got their Connor Bedard. They've already been able to turn the page. Let's see what happens to Northwestern now in a couple of years. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's brave of these kids to come out in this situation and and speak their truth about the, the situation. Most of all, for sure, uh, when you think about everybody who is behind um, the hazing and everything that got swept under the rug, uh, I do applaud them, and and hopefully it's just. You know, all you can do in that situation if you're Northwestern is, is like you said, right the ship and, and try to put that in the rearview mirror and uh, put a, a quality football team out there, put a quality program out there and be competitive. Uh, so, don't you know, for those Northwestern football players, I, I really hope that's their mindset, right, where they don't, um, you know, Northwestern may not be the most competitive in the Big Ten or best in the Big Ten by any stretch, but they still, you know, turn out some NFL prospects every year and they uh, they do compete as, as the best of their ability and 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 get uh, some quality prospects from around the country. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll see what happens this year with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Ross, yep. uh, you know, with Lollapalooza, did you run in, into any youth, see any good throwback jerseys as we wrap up the show? Is And, you know, you're picking up your son from camp. Yep. Any run-ins, any scalpers, anything like that? <laughs> saw, saw plenty. And, and, you know, my my hot take always, listen, I live – I live uh, from the fire from the frying pan into the fire. I live very, very close to all of that that goes on. It has been a summer of, of, of Chicago events here. We have seen Taylor Swift and Ed Sheeran and Beyonce and NASCAR and Lollapalooza. And I love every single piece of it. I think it's awesome as a as a person that lives in the city and very close to all this. It does not bother me one bit. Those kids um, enjoyed themselves thoroughly. It was really cool. I drove right through Lakeshore Drive on Sunday on my way to go see Oppenheimer, which we'll talk about. I had no issues, no traffic. Everybody was very cordial. I, I read an article yesterday. This, this was the lowest uh, amount of incidents that they've ever had for a lot of Palooza. These, these young kids get it now. And, uh, and and so I enjoy it. I will never be a crusty old man and, and do the whole get off my lawn thing. I, I think it's a crucial part of the city and the economy for the city. And, and, and this is what happens when you live in a city. Um, the stages looked awesome. I, I didn't see anybody perform. I, I, I saw some streams and stuff like that. They have really done an amazing job over the years with how they do the production of these stages and everything that goes into it. It really is a well-oiled machine now. Um, and so I, I thought that that was really cool. Um, and shout out to everybody that went. I did see some cool throwback jerseys. A lot of dirty white shoes because <laughs> it rained and a lot of muddy shoes. I saw some clips online of, of kids flying down mountain, uh, very muddy hills and stuff like that as they're trying to walk from stage to stage. So hopefully everybody had fun and, and was uh, very safe doing it. Got to wear your shoes at Lollapalooza. God damn it. Ross was yes. shielding his kid as he's getting offered Molly left and right. <laughs> Having a good old time. Down there. I, I do like that now they, you know, in the age of streaming, they they had that partnership with Hulu and you're able to, see, yeah. able to see Jade. You're able to see Red Eye Chili Peppers, little yeah. Kendrick. It's uh, it's very cool. And, and everybody that, you know, we talked about um, those bands that were just mentioned all played up to the hype and everybody loved. Lana Del Rey and Odessa and, and mm-hmm. other other bands that I can't name and, and don't really care about, but uh, yeah. makes me miss it a little bit. I was very much on the fence to at least go maybe one day, but it you know wasn't in the cards more or less. Yeah. There's always next year, but it was a good lineup, and that's that's uh, great news. Yeah. You know, you touched on the safety being a big concern, and and all the loopers you know hate it when Lala usually would come around. So that's good to, to keep their wits about them, and then 
as we've bounced back from the pandemic on the business end of things, it's huge for the hotel businesses down there. This is that make or break weekend where yep. they, uh, you know, make their year in the Lollapalooza weekend. And on top of that, they had NASCAR and, yep. and Soldier Field events. So good for them. It good is. Them. And you really feel like like now this is the first year post COVID that you really feel like all those events and music and stuff like that concerts really are back at a high level. We have a, had a lot of artists tour in Chicago. You know, Drake has hit the United Center. Dave, Dave Chappelle is not music, but he's coming to United Center in October. Three days now, uh, yeah. Yep, Bruce Springsteen is at Really Field tonight, right? So Bruce, Bruce Springsteen is here throughout the weekend. It really feels like we've gotten back to, to normalcy in that regard, and it's really awesome to see. It's really important. Like you said, for the economy of the city, for the, the lodging industry, for the uh, bar and service industry, stuff like that. The lodging industry. The lodging like, industry. Yeah. You look at Ross dropping lodging in here. I was, <laughs> I was in Starved Rock with my wife uh, one time and I was you know, going through a nature path and some kid just was looking at a sign and said, what the fuck is a lodge? <laughs> That is the best question I've heard in a while. Uh, <laughs> that's, where they, that's where they store the VCRs. <laughs> yeah, the full, definition, full definition on next week's Mac and Reed. Um, before you get to Oppenheimer, you, you know, the bar, bar network has somebody big just died. I hope they do a feature on Robert, Robbie Robertson. I'm a big classic mm -hmm. rock fan. And um, Ross, I'm not sure how familiar you are with Robbie. I know, I bet Cliff is, uh, but one of the leaders of the band the band the band uh where he uh, was the guitarist he was really the heart and soul of it but between him and live on helm the drummer had so many great songs the band did and and him and live on helm were the harmonies in a lot of those songs and up on cripple creek the weight which is probably their most famous one the night they drove old dixie down just uh, just so great that the collaborations with bob dylan uh, among many others uh, in the last waltz which is one of the best yeah concert films out there directed by Martin Scorsese is so good with the moments of Bob Dylan and Neil Young and Van Morrison and all them getting on stage together, yep. uh, just on point with his singing and his guitar parts. And, and I really, I didn't know much about it till today. I was reading up about him, how he, you know, was a big part of the film industry and, you know, putting his work into uh, Scorsese's films, for example, working on Raging Bull and worked on Killers of the Flower Moon most recently. So, which is coming out? Yes, coming out in a couple. If you go, fall, yeah, yeah. If you, uh, go, if you go see Oppenheimer, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon is coming out, so you'll see Robbie uh, Robertson is there. He also worked on Games in New York, Shutter Island, uh, Wolf of Wall Street as well, The Irishman. So he was a big collaborator with uh, with Scorsese. So yes, so I mean, cool. man of many talents. R.I.P. to him. Very full life. And on to Oppenheimer, Ross, all yes. three plus hours of it. All three hours. Did Listen, you take an edible for the explosion? Did your edible kick in right at the time? I did not take an edible for the explosion. Hard to time it out three plus hours. Yeah, <laughs> and and the 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 big part of that actually comes at hour two. So that's that's ah. not not to spoil too much of the film, but the movie's awesome, man. Hey, listen. Make three-hour films, especially if they're going to be good. That's my hot take. Everybody complains about yeah. about the time of, of times of only movies. Only if they're going to be good. Say but, only if they're going to be good. Right, exactly. But but everybody, you know, will, will sit down and watch five episodes of some bullshit on Netflix, right? So they'll do that for five hours. So make make more really good three-hour movies. Um, Christopher Nolan. This is going to be uh, top three of his all time. 
amazing cast. It's got Killian Murphy, obviously, as Robert Oppenheimer. It's got Josh Hartnett in it. It's got Robert Downey Jr. in it. It's got Matt Damon. Uh, Emily Blunt is in this movie. Um, oh, wow. uh, Florence Pugh is in this movie. I, I mean, the list goes on along, oh, uh, on along with the, with the cameos uh, in this film. The sound is one of the best sound, you know, sound editing movies I've ever heard and seen in my life. And I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the film. Uh, I love the cuts from the black and white to the color. I think it was very well done. You can see why uh, he, he really wanted you to see this on a big screen. So I encourage everybody to go watch this on a big screen as intended because you're going to really get to feel it, especially when you do see, you know, spoiler alert, it's about a nuclear bomb that went off twice. <laughs> it's about the making of that bomb. So, um, yeah. You know, to, to see that big scene where where, where it kind of the, the climax before the last hour of the movie is really cool to see uh, on the big screen. And, you know, like concerts are back. Movies are back this year. You know, Oppenheimer is crushing in the box office. Barbie is breaking records. Shout out to Greta Gerwig. She now has the biggest movie of all time for a female director. Um you know, Mission Impossible. We got a Mission Impossible movie this year. We got a Fast X mm-hmm. movie this year. You know, we're getting Dune 2 in the fall, which is going to be a massive movie. I took my son and his friend to see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie on Saturday. I heard that was good. Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool to see movies back. I, As you know, I'm a huge, huge movie uh, aficionado, and I love going to the movie theater. So, you know, if you can, I know a lot of people have been apprehensive about going to the movies since covid Go back to the movies. It's fun. It's safe, especially if it's like 85, 90 degrees around you. If you got two or three hours to kill, definitely go see Oppenheimer. My wife and I are still planning to go see Barbie as soon as we have the time. Uh, I'm excited to see that too. So, I, you know, go back to the movies. It's, it's been a blast. Oppenheimer was awesome. Yeah, I love uh, seeing movies in the movie theaters if, if they warrant that, you know, shit that was intended to, like Oppenheimer, obviously, you know, filmed on. IMAX, it's like the biggest reel in history, something like that. The sound editing is, is so key. Just the, the audio design. You didn't go to one of the special audio theaters, right? You just went to normal theater. I went to an Alamo draft house uh, where if you're familiar with an Alamo draft house, they they have full bar, full menus. So I, I got mozzarella sticks and buffalo wings and then you know a couple IPAs and, and was able to relax and recline. I had a full meal and you fell awake. God bless you. Or if yeah, you stayed awake, I stayed me. awake the entire time and, and had an amazing experience. You press a button, a server comes to you. This is where we're at. Advanced- this is where we're at now in the movie industry. We're so this far advanced. You know? Absolutely. So it's amazing. Exciting times. Uh, I'll have to see Barbie soon as well. Yep. Looking forward to that. And with that, we are out of show. Thanks everybody for watching listening in we've been streaming live on youtube on the barroom network channel uh you can certainly check that out on the youtube channel if you're looking for the audio only version it's on spotify itunes wherever you get those podcasts and videos like subscribe tell a friend or two i'm at the real Evan mac on twitter ross is at ross reed enjoy the first preseason game uh coming up this saturday against the titans we'll be breaking it down same time next week at 6 p.m central time Uh, For now, we say deuces. Be good to each other out there. So long, everybody. Peace.